the only way to properly prevent deep fakes across multiple platforms in multiple jurisdictions with multiple parties owned by many different people in a way that's trustworthy and no party can screw over one another is a blockchain. There's no other solution that can for that. And, and I say that knowing that blockchains are useless for 90% of use cases, which is why 90% of projects fail, because they integrate a blockchain for the sake of integrating a blockchain. The same way they're now integrating AI for the sake of integrating AI. I'm John Wright, and you're listening to Affiliate BI, the business intelligence and affiliate marketing podcast Brought to you by Statstrom. Welcome to the Affiliate BI podcast. Today, I'm speaking with Jean-Michel Azopardi. He's an advisor in, in a lot of different companies in fintech, blockchain, and cybersecurity. And he's also speaking on a lot of conferences on those very topics. So Jean-Michel, I'm going to pass it back to you and tell us more of what you do. Thank you so much for um, having me, John. So uh, what do I do? That's always a... Always a Difficult question to, to answer, I guess it depends who the audience is, but the sort of short summary of it is, um, I'm an advisor to a few different startups in the, in the FinTech and the blockchain space, like you just said, and I help them with them things from growth marketing to, um, the technical compliance to cybersecurity preparation to like a range of, a range of different things It's I, I. Lucky to say, I, I'm I'm uh, I'm privileged enough to be able to work only with companies that truly align with what it is I want to do as an individual. Um, that means finding customers is always difficult, but it means once you do, uh, the fit is right. And what is your story? How did you get into Bitcoin and blockchain, and uh, where did this all begin? Well, okay, so it began when I had a. Uh, Full head of hair, um, circa 2011, when I was following um, the Junior Assange story back then. Uh, so Junior Assange had uh, leaked a video, well, had uh, together with um, um, Bradley Manning back then, now Chelsea Manning, uh, who was uh, an employee of the NSA, I want to say. I want, I'm not sure if it was NSA or military, uh, which she leaked a video uh, called Catherine Murder, which was published on Lively that no longer exists now. And Catherine Murder was uh, essentially a video of an Apache uh, 64 gunship um, mowing down a couple of the Reuters reporters who were mistakenly taken for um, soldiers. Um, and following that, um, this, this, this guy just Drives over in his car, um, tries to help these people who've been gunned down by this by this helicopter, and uh, and they light up the car like it's a like a like it's a video game, and there's kids in the back, and obviously, yeah, everyone gets decimated. And uh, I I you know I followed the story, and it 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 really hit home to me that you know the world doesn't work the way you think it does, you know, and um. Western media portrays a very different um, image to what what actually happens in reality, right? Because as soon as the studio went live, uh, Visa just um, pulled 
pulled all, all ties from WikiLeaks. So WikiLeaks was the was the, the news organization back then, which um, together with uh, Julian Assange and Glenn Greenwald, if I remember correctly, from where uh, the Hopping Post or the Washington Journal, like I never, I, I always mix them up. Um, they published it uh, via WikiLeaks, and uh, Visa just says, "Hey, listen, you can't take any more donations. Uh, we're we're um, uh, cutting you off completely." And Visa and uh, WikiLeaks announced we're taking payment in this thing called Bitcoin. I was like, what the hell is Bitcoin? And it's been a, a rabbit hole ever since. Let's just say that. Uh, I wasn't quite expecting uh, that story and that answer, but I mean, it's, uh, you know, it's an interesting reality. I mean, that's probably one of the first uh, major instances of people hearing about Bitcoin. Um, I'm sure maybe there's a lot of people that went down that rabbit hole for that reason. And I kind of wish uh, I paid more attention to it back then. I think it was years later that I started writing articles about casinos accepting Bitcoin. And even then I did pay attention to it. And I just said, eh, it's uh, just another payment method. I didn't think much of it. Yeah, I mean, back then it was, I, I, I didn't th think much of it either, but funnily enough, I mean, in hindsight, like that was the first actual use case for Bitcoin, you know, when it took the world like eight years to realize that, hey, listen, we can use this thing for international payments. But we had the information back then. It was there. It was clear in front of us. And um, WikiLeaks weren't doing anything wrong or doing anything illegal per se. It was, uh, it was uh, uh, you know, just, just the, the influence of foreign government that, 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 that um, spark the, the the change but to that point um and to sort of um further share my 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 equal ignorance i guess as it were um uh, as soon as i found out about this bitcoin thing i mean i'm a, like i was a was am a techie right to, to some extent or degree um let's say like the, the simple way to explain it is uh, whenever something goes wrong in the house um in the families in the families tech world, like I'm the guy and I've been that way since I was 10. Not much has changed now. Um, uh, so, so, you know, back then I had just taken on a, a, um, a loan for a PC, but Epic Tower had like an AMD hex core. It's like 3.2 gigahertz with six cores with like four, with like four gigs of RAM. I had, I had an XFX 6950, like beastie, beastie PC. And, and I went by that and I said, dad, I said, um, uh, I want to mine this magic internet money. And he's like, uh, okay, what's it going to cost? And so I'm like, okay, so my PSU is like a thousand watts. So, you know, probably like about as much as an AC running, uh, um, the 24 seven. And back then the, the, the bills were, were ridiculously expensive. They were three times what, what they are now. So he's like, uh, and then there's, there's no way that's going to have to go funky sides basically. Uh, and, and I unfortunately listen, um, but. Same thing I always say is, is uh, even if I hadn't, I would have probably spent that on some kind of Honda Civic in my early 20s anyway. Let's face it. You know what I mean? Yeah. I mean, what would you rather have? Uh, 10,000 Bitcoin or two pizzas? Exactly. Like back then, it was, uh, it was uh, you know, like it, it was just an idea. It was, like, people don't understand just 15 years ago, even like, saying the word epic in public was was really weird it was like that's something that you only do you know over TeamSpeak or ventrilo or 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 you know you don't do it in public because if you do people are going to look at you weird now there's 
you know, one of the biggest companies in the gaming industry is Epic, you know, and, and, and everyone's kids play board. So the, the, the world is like drastically shifted and the same thing has happened with, with Bitcoin. This used to be something that, you know, you, you meet someone really randomly, you have no idea how, but you realize that, that there's a set of unspoken ideas and roots that align you, at least pre-2017. That's where things were. I think post-2017, things are very different. So obviously, I mean, we know what it's done today. I mean, in that last 15 years, but when did it click for you that you said, hey, this thing could actually get really big and it's actually going to do more than just be another payment method. It's actually going to change the world. How long did it take for you to start to have this realization that I need to spend more time on this? First time my mother came to me and said, hey, Jean, what's Bitcoin? I know you've been looking at it for some time, but my friends are talking about it now. What is it? What, is, what does it do? How does it work? What's this, what does it matter? That for me was the, was the aha moment, you know, when, when, when gen pop, as it were, like the, the tightening part of the, 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 the world, you know, when, when gen pop starts asking questions, it means, it means it's important. It means it's extremely immature, extremely, because in reality, gen pop should have no idea about how the tech works. Like no one knows how, how uh, large language models, machine learning, deep learning, neural nets, no one knows how all that shit works. They just use Google and it works. I mean, um, and, and that's because it's, it's mature. But in the beginning, in the beginning was, uh, how do I create an email address? That's what it was, you know? And that, that for me was the same kind of moment, just, yeah, two years, yeah. many years apart. Yeah, I remember being at a conference and listening to Anthony DiOrio, and he was basically stating that, you know, what the internet was back 20, 30 years ago was the exchange of information and what Bitcoin and all this uh, blockchain technology was allowing for the exchange of value. And it's something we've never really experienced before. And I think you're right. It's the best analogy is when you go back to the days of like getting started with your first email. I mean, I think there's some listeners here that would just be, what do you mean? It's always been there, but, um, it, it's the same thing. No, that's a, that's a, that's a fantastically important point. So, um, during my, my, my last startup, I raised, I raised a little bit of money for, a, for, a, for a blockchain project and a couple of million euros. And we set out to build, um, the internet of value, right? So, and, and in, and in doing so, we created some really, really cool tech. Like we created a blockchain agnostic platform. Um, that, that, it, that essentially says like, it doesn't matter what chain you, you use, just speak to us and we'll fix the chain part down for you in a way where you own, own custody. But more importantly, um, we dove into like what really differentiates web two and three, right? So. Web two, web two had its sort of is at its peak at the moment. You can like let's go back actually. Sorry, web one you could Google search. You could find um, a listing of a business that you've never met without speaking to anyone and know that they exist, right? With a web two, you can order food from somebody you've never met pay with money you've never touched and have it delivered by somebody you've never spoken to, right? That's the, that's the sort of peak, so this, this is the peak of it. 
And now the reason why, or the reason the shift towards Web3 is occurring, because in the Web2 model, the, the stream of finance and the stream of data are separate. Visa lives separately to Google login. They're two different entities. So, but value encompasses both of those. So my idea, my sort of philosophy is that the internet of value is actually just the encompassing and the, 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 of, um, data and finance in, in one data stream. It's interesting. I've never really thought about it that way where I just kind of treated them as separate. And I think a lot of people see it as separate. They don't see web three as being really the, the sum of web one and web two. And, you know, as if there's like a, a wall there. Hmm. I mean, the, the, I think it's we're we're at a sort of point in time where, where that the definition of Web3 has, hasn't yet been made in the same way the definition of the, of the metaverse hasn't yet been made, albeit that for many different reasons. Um, but I think we, we, we sort of all have this unique, we're at a unique point in history where we all have this opportunity to shape what the next version of the internet is going to look like and be like. And it's through, it's through conversations like these that we, that we get these things out, right? I agree. Uh, the As an affiliate marketer, you'll want to celebrate your first sale, learn about a drop in clicks and revenue, discover new brands, be notified when programs close, see an increase in earnings per click, identify underperforming campaigns. Your affiliate programs won't tell you when these things happen, but we will. Whether good things are happening to your business or bad, we are here for you and we've got your back. Statsdrone is the number one affiliate CRM tool that helps you get your data, manage your biz with CRM tools, and analyze data with business intelligence. Visit statsdrone.com or find the link in the show notes. Next question I have, I'm actually going to modify it based on what we're chatting about right now. The original question was just to kind of ask about these trends where, you know, Bitcoin goes through a big peak and all crypto seems to follow it. And then every four years, there's a bit of a crash cycle. And I'm kind of wondering, it's, uh, there's also in the background, we've seen a massive spike in AI and we've seen AI companies kind of coexist with blockchain. I'm just wondering, what do you see in the future as, you know, we're kind of like maybe on the downside of uh, another crypto winter, uh, but AI is taken up. Do you think these two are going to always coexist and uh, pick each other up and be part of this uh, acceleration that's just beyond AI? I love this question. So. Um, I think that AI is what will, is what will fuel the growth of blockchain. So if we agree that Web3 has multiple pillars, right? As far as technology goes. There's blockchain, there is a, there's AI, there's VR, AR, XR, etc. Those are all, all, all different examples of, of, of pillars of web three. And we, we know that each of them are in their relative instance and that they are evolving at a more rapid pace than, than their 
counterparts 15 years ago. And that was already bloody rapid. Like think about how much time it took to get from a Nokia 3210 to, to the first iPhone. It wasn't that long, you know? Um, so if we bear all that in mind, um, and we also understand that technology is inherently agnostic, it's not good or bad. It can be you, it's, it's, it's the actor wielding the gun that determines whether the gun is used for evil or good, then we will also, then we can say that deep fakes are only going to become more and more of a problem. They are already a very big problem in the telco industry with robocalls, for example. Um, this is a pertinent issue that people are talking about now. It's not, it's not, you know, five years in the future. Um, and we had Cambridge Analytica not too long ago. Okay, you know, while that wasn't technically deepfakes, the next iteration of that is definitely using deepfakes to swing elections. And we're starting to see um, countries wake up to it. Uh, in fact, there was um, one country, this, I, I believe, that announced earlier on this morning that they're, that they're regulating they're regulating deep fakes and they're um, calling them digital. Uh, and I want to say digital examples is the legal is the legal term that they use. But I'll see if I can find that in the meantime. But why is this important and how does this affect blockchain? So, um, if we can if we can agree that blockchain and crypto are two completely different things, um, because they absolutely are, and then if you if you if you can't, then the situation will make no sense to you. But um, blockchain is essentially just a series of hashes, a series of hashes layered on, on top of each other. So blockchain can, in, in really simple terms, somebody who's never, who's never heard of a blockchain, a blockchain is just a networked database. That's all it is. It's the simplest explanation for a blockchain. And when you update one of the one of the instances, every instance also gets updated. Assuming they assume it's a it's a correct request. Simplest explanation for blockchain you can ever find. Now, on a, on a on a um, blockchain can enable value in in three ways and only three ways. All those every value metric blockchain can, can enable falls under these three umbrellas: digital identity data integrity, and delivery versus payment. Those are the, everything that it does, the immutability, the transparency, all falls under those, the, those three things. Crypto is just one use case, but let's say um, the, the, the industry took an interesting turn once, once the ICO days sort of came about and the DeFi DGENs came in and the NFT retards came and did their thing um, that's not the point that's the the people that think that 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 um the value is in is in is in crypto can't see the trees because the can't see the forest because the trees are in the way and the value is within the blockchain so the only way to properly prevent deep fakes across multiple platforms in multiple jurisdictions um, 
with multiple parties owned by many different people in a way that's trustworthy and no party can screw over one another is a blockchain. There's no other solution that can for that. And, and I say that knowing that blockchains are useless for 90% of use cases, completely useless, which is why 90% of projects fail because they integrate a blockchain for the sake of integrating a blockchain. The same way they're now integrating AI for the sake of integrating AI, right. because there's a bunch of fucking charlatans in this industry who are after the money. And that, but I'm, now when, well, I'm not saying don't follow the money, I'm saying that the value is, is, is um, not where people see it. There's one thing I've learned that's very few things in this industry are as they seem. Um, so would yeah. you say that, uh, uh, you know, this whole topic of deep fakes, I find interesting because you're right. Uh, this can change elections. This could basically make a company succeed at the expense of someone else. This could bankrupt people and companies. Um, do you see a blockchain being able to help us um, solve some of these problems of knowing that deep fakes exist and maybe even having apps that someone doesn't have to understand what's behind the tech just to know that, hey, I can trust that this message is real? Of course. So you, you, you touched on a really, really important point, right? Which sort of echoes back to what I said earlier, which is the only way that, that the tech is going to work is if people don't know the tech is there. Right? So they don't have to understand how it works. It just has to work. Um, so there are ways to technically do this. So the, the problem isn't the tech. The problem is people. It's always the people. Like people are saying, you know, like, uh, uh, you know, 70,000 TPLS is nothing on Solana. Like, fuck off. When have you ever seen that? When have you ever seen this? That much need for, for, for on-chain direct activities. This is just marketers pushing down, you know, uh, uh, marketing posts because they need something to write about, right? And they need something to put behind those sponsored, those sponsored posts. So, um, if you think about things, if you think about things in reality, if you're batching and you're, you're, you're batching multiple times over and over again, within, within one transaction, you can batch another, I don't know. 700 on most chains quite easily. And I've tested that personally on two, two different chains. Um, so, and that, so, so technicality is a part. The tech isn't the problem, the people. So, um, what we are talking about is essentially a security measure. Do we agree? Absolutely. It's, it's, it's security. And you've kind of, uh, asked a future question I had, which is all about KYC where it's a big problem in B2C. I believe it's a massive problem in B2B, but it's not really being talked about or addressed. And I kind of think that there are companies that will try to solve this with non-custodial style wallets. But I kind of wonder, you know, what, what are the blockchain implications that are going to solve the same thing? And I think maybe this whole concept of not just only deep fake, but uh, the fact of like, you know, someone's ability to, I don't know, fraudulently edit documents. I think we're going to need something here that's going to connect, you know, real data sources to say that these are authentic documents. This is an authentic video. And yeah, that people just have to get behind it. I'm happy you, you, Emma, you said that I, I, I personally couldn't agree more. There's a few problems with it, um, or, or a few roadblocks in the way. Um, 
which are which mostly boil down to the point I was going to make, which is that security people don't buy security, people buy compliance. They are two fundamentally different things. To put it to you in simple terms, if you're I don't know, your son is going to play a game football, for example, um, and he needs to wear brushing guards because he needs to play. Then you go to the store, you spend 10 euros and you buy your kid a brushing guards. But if you worry that your kid might actually hurt, you're going to go and spend a hundred bucks, buy the brushing guards, not the mat. It's a very different perspective, right? So, so it's, and it's the same thing with security. So people don't invest in security. They invest in compliance with the exception of military. Military and, and space are the only two exceptions to that statement. Um, so one of the companies I advise um, is actually a, a self-sovereign identity provider that uses, and that does exactly what we're, what we're talking about, actually in the, in the best possible way. So what they do is they, um, they allow you to create a digital world on your phone. They grab your, you grab your um, a passport, you slap the passport to your phone, and that sucks in all the cryptographic side information from the chip. That's a government signed, digitally signed chip, which cannot be frauded, right? Because it's it's cryptographically um, secure, and it and it um, combine that with a little liveness check, and uh, and um, lets you own your own data and and um, store it, etc. But uh, and it does it in a technically a non-custodial way. So you're holding your own keys, um, which is kind of the, the dream. So something which we're exploring is, is um, um, number one is we, we've partnered with a, with a company called Trust Elevate to extend the service for children. So how do we secure children's? personal data online. Like how do I how do I make sure my kid isn't in some like you'd let you'd let your kid you wouldn't let your kid go to a playground with a 45 year old. So why would you let them in a in a in a lobby with them? You know, it's 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 kind of weird. So so um the beauty of this is that it's all sort of done in a zero knowledge way. But once we started exploring payments, um then the fact that it's non-custodial becomes a problem because many, many companies legally cannot work with a non-custodial provider. If you're in a regulated market and you, you're working with, with crypto, um, as far as I know, very few to no regulated markets allow non-custodial service providers. And that is a huge problem because we're doing it wrong like centralized exchanges technically shouldn't exist. They are, they are like a stepping stone to what is, to what needs to be. And what needs to be is an atomic exchange where everyone holds their own funds within a separate wallet that they also hold half a key to that's in someone else's infrastructure. It's like, think about it this way. As a, um, a centralized exchange grabs all your funds and stores it in, in one, one big vault. And then Sam Bankman fried comes and grabs half of it and spends it on hookers and blow in Vegas over the weekend, right? That's centralized exchange. 
Now, regulated exchanges do the same thing. The only difference is they actually keep 5% in one big vault and 95% in other vaults around the world. That's the regulatory standard. The way it needs to be is I keep my funds in this, in this, in this um, centralized vault, but it's in, a, it's in a safe deposit box with two keys. And I hold one key and the bank holds the other key or the exchange holds the other key. So they can't open it without me and I can't open it without them. That's how it's going to be. I guarantee you it's a matter of time. That makes sense. Matter of time. And it probably didn't happen over a weekend with the, with the SBF, but maybe it was a couple of years. A couple of years. Well, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to jump over to the affiliate uh, marketing side. And just as a small segue, I still find thousands of websites linking to FTX with a, an affiliate tracking link. These are websites that are up to date, legit, and they're still doing it. I'm kind of shocked at uh, how this is a common problem in affiliate marketing. Um, so segueing to problems in affiliate marketing, um, obviously you've got a ton of experience in blockchain and I've always kind of kept my foot in the door just to understand it. And I've always wondered if blockchain and like Web3 has the power to completely dominate or fully take over the affiliate marketing space in terms of the tracking tech. Uh, the way tracking works today is anyone can set up an affiliate program. Uh, the operator of the affiliate program can edit, delete data as they wish. Uh, you're kind of at their mercy like you are today with a bank where they delete your account, you just don't exist. Um, but I just find that these tracking tech like it's kind of like cat and mouse, like Google says they want to kill cookies, but it's not happened yet. And I'm just wondering, like, are we going to approach something where everything I see in crypto, you've got real time data, uh, there's a lot of trust. And I think maybe people want that. And I think the people that already work in affiliate marketing in crypto, they're kind of used to having it their way. When they go over to our side, uh, they're just kind of shocked at how horrendous things are. So I kind of want to get your take on that. So that's, uh, that's an area which I've spent a lot of time thinking about really, um, just because I'm, I, I'm based out of Malta and this is one of the sort of hotspots for the gambling industry. And, and as a result, obviously the affiliate industry is, you know, just, just as big and parallel. So, um, I think there is so much opportunity. It's not even funny. So here are the, the, the problems, like you, like you mentioned, right? You, you're the affiliate is constantly at, at risk, um, because all of the data is owned by, by the merchant, uh, and, that mer and they have full control over it. And what happens is, um, every, every period, every week, every month, whatever. The, op the, the merchant would say, um, okay, th this is the amount of revenue which you've, which you've generated for my platform based on this very complicated um, deal. Sometimes it's a, it's a fee upfront, sometimes it's a fee upfront and rev share uh, and, and the sort of parameters of these kinds of deals are, are, are quite, quite vast. So it creates very, very complicated accounting. So there can be mistakes that happen. Um, in two ways, it's either a question of, you know, there's an admin mistake from, from the finance department. It's just a genuine, a genuine mistake. Um, or it's, it's the, the merchant is legitimately trying to screw the affiliate. On the other hand, um, there's, there can also be affiliate abuse because they can sort of get fake customers, put them through fake customer journeys, understand where the, where the sort of 
PowerPoints are where the customer has all of their, all of their worth and then rug put under that. So there's, let's say it how it is, you know, there's, there's sort of foul play on both sides, but ultimately they, this is more of a problem for the affiliate than, than it is for the merchant because the merchant has more power, right? So, so that means the change, um, now let, let's talk about what the, what the change can do. Um, like I said, you, you, you in the, in, in this industry, you reconcile every week or every month, right? So, and sometimes that's by design, that is, um, because it, it allows the merchants to sort of loan off of the, take a loan off of the affiliates, which is kind of abuse in its own way. Um, but blockchain, before I mentioned the three pillars of blockchain, right? Like how blockchain creates value. No, no. The only, the, the ways it creates this value or the way that these three pillars are leveraged are in, are also in two ways, two simple ways. Number one is the reduction of fraud. And number two is the, the automation of administrative tasks. Only, only those two. Those, those are the real, real use, real use case, real cases of the world. Every real blockchain use case, you can point back to those two. So what do we know? We know there's a ridiculous amount of reconciliation that happens between the merchant and the affiliate all the time. But we also know that the merchant um, is benefiting from the situation and they are, in a, they, they are in a position where they hold the keys to the castle. Now, you need to understand that the nature of man is greed. It's greed. Literally greed. So um, people don't give away power. They never, never willingly. That is what's different with, with Web3. And that's, that's what makes it successful Web3 companies. Successful ones will give away power willingly. That's, will, that's what will make them grow. One example I can think of is Pete.io. Um, but that's a, that's, a, that's a story for a different time. Um, so I think there's a world of opportunity in the affiliate space, but look, like I said, the issue is people. So what needs to happen is there needs to be a small consortium of affiliates that together make up the buying negotiating power of one big affiliate and they make one deal. And when the first merchant comes on board, you'll snowball from there. That's what needs to happen. That's interesting. I'm gonna to have to go back and listen to that a couple more times because there's just a lot there. I mean, obviously in the affiliate space, it's getting weird where maybe this is another thing to touch upon where um, I think you, when you said that, you know, people need to kind of, you know, give up some of that power in order to obtain power or get more market share. Um, I think we're seeing an extreme amount of uh, consolidation in the iGaming affiliate space where the big are just getting bigger. I'm just wondering if, uh, if anything's going to change, if that's actually going to become, you know, rather than having, you know, 50 major affiliate groups, it's actually going to be like 10 and they're going to hold all the power. They're going to use that power over affiliate programs and affiliate programs are going to have to create their own affiliate sites just to be able to keep their own power. So that's the, that's the, that's the way it will always be. That's the, that's the way the, 
the economy and capitalism works, unfortunately, that downside of capitalism, right? Um, is that, 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 that um, it, eventually it's consolidation, consolidation, consolidation. That's what happens. Um, now, I, I personally are a believer in, in, in um, splitting up large companies because it, it's, it betters the, the, the industry and it betters the world, right? Because I believe that public companies should serve the public, not, not, not the other way around. Um, but, and, and we have history and proof that, 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 that this works, you know, like there's a, there's a fantastic series, uh, watched a long time ago called, uh, the middle plus America, fantastic series. And like goes through the stories of the, of, of the, the Carnegie's and the Vanderbilt's and the Rockefeller's, um, and, and, um, a chase, et cetera, and, and how these, these massive conglomerates became sort of like bubbles in their, in their industry. And then what happened is they got too big, uh, the, the, and, uh, and, uh, um, the Congress came out and said, okay, now we're going to split you up. And what happened as a result, you know, we got, um, General Electric and Chevron and all of these, all these companies, okay, which didn't do great for the world now, but we're at the end of that cycle, right? Where it's just at a point where it just needs to be repeated. That's my feeling. Like, because I, because I feel like once you split them up, you get some, some big things happening in the world for a, for a, for a period of time. And then they need to be read. Then the same thing happens again and you rinse repeat. Yeah. You get innovation and there's actually a lot of chatter that, uh, this could be happening to Google where there's a lot of people in the SEO space that believe that there's going to be more of this, uh, fruit, so to speak, of having this situation like, you know, Google being uh, maybe not split up, but maybe having it such that they're not the dominant market share and they think there'll be more innovation if this does happen. It needs to be split up. It should have been split up five years ago. Same thing with Meta, same thing with Amazon. It should have, Amazon, not five years ago, Amazon is kind of right now because because they, 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 I think it took Amazon like nine or 10 years to deliver shareholder profits for the first time. So. It took them a long ass time, but those guys got their investment back and everyone's happy. You know what I mean? It's like, it's, 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 you know, the, the, I think, I, I, I think a lot of what's been lost in the business world is, 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 is service to the public, right? I mean, if you're, even if you're, uh, if you're, uh, whatever business you are, you're in service to someone, that person's your, your customer, you know, and services, I think is, a, I think a word that, that's, um, that people sort of take take lightly or or look at wrongly, and that's why what I think would would will make Web three companies successful. The difference, the difference in understanding the importance of service. That extent. All right. Another question is: Let's assume you were going to build this affiliate tracking platform. Uh, what blockchain would you build it on, and how would Web three integrate with this? Um, I would make the platform blockchain agnostic. Um, so my rationale and reasoning is that there's no one blockchain to rule them all. Blockchains are like vehicles and you need different blockchains for different kinds of journeys, right? Like a slow be a super, but if you, if you stick it on a, on a, on a uh, you know, in the sea, you're going to have a bad time, you know? So, um, uh, affiliate marketing on chain is a, is a particular use case, right? What do you need? You need high TTS, you need uh, low, low transaction costs, and you need uh, 
relatively high availability, but not too high. And you don't need too much security. You don't need the security levels. You don't need military level grade security, right? So, so um, are you familiar with the scalability dilemma? No. Okay. Are you familiar with the Iron Triangle? Nope. I got some homework to do. Okay. So the, so the, so the Iron Triangle is really, really simple, right? Whenever you're buying any kind of product or service, um, you can have, you can only ever have two factors in your, in your um, favor, speed, price, and quality. Right. Right. If something is cheap, it's going to be, you're going to get it quick and you're gonna, and it's going to be, it can be good quality, but if something is, uh, sorry, let's go back to that again. If you're, if you're buying something and the price is, is low then then the quality needs can be high but you and you won't receive it quickly right so so only over two two of those in your favor with that same sort of rationale same same triangle scalability decentralization and security choose two right and so all all blockchains work like bitcoin is super super secure but it's slow and it's expensive right um, um so in, in, in this case, you don't need the kind of security that Bitcoin provides. You need the sort of transaction costs that Solana provides and the speed that Solana provides. But you also need something in case the Solana goes down because let's face it, uh, Solana has been brought down before with a DDoS attack where it's a two Bitcoin back then, literally two bit, like someone liquidated two Bitcoin, stuck them into Solana, set the requests out, DDoS the environment, right? That, that will, 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 help that as will will change as things grow, maybe it's a bit three bitcoins or two. But ultimately you 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 still need to kind of backup. Right. So um I would go go to the sort of blockchain agnostic approach whereby you interface with a with a platform and the platform does puppet mastering across different different chains depending on availability, price and finality. And last question, what do you see of the future of affiliate marketing as it intersects with business intelligence? I think we live in a, and I, I say this from a sort of outsider's perspective, by no means am I an expert in affiliate marketing, not even close. So I, this is my uneducated Neanderthal, right? Um, I, I would say that a lot of data at the moment is siloed, which is what perpetuates current model of affiliation. It's what keeps the power in the hands of the, of the merchants. I think once those data pools are correctly merged in a way where ownership can be directly attributed and reports can be generated from a connective data pool. I think, uh, uh, I think the is going to be a fucking interesting space. Awesome. Uh, Jean-Michel, how can people get a hold of you? Um, LinkedIn DMs, always the best or my website, uh, Jean I will put the, that website and your LinkedIn in the show notes. Jean-Michel, thank you so much for doing this. I learned a lot today. Pleasure. Likewise, it was fun. Thank you. 
Thank you for tuning in to the Affiliate BI Podcast. I'd like to take this time to ask for a small favor to leave a rating and review wherever you listen to your podcast. That helps us expand our reach to rank higher in podcast directories and reach more listeners.